Uh, it's, I say this, I think, almost every time that I stand here before you, how much of an honor it is, and it's an honor. It, it is just an honor to stand before anybody to, to preach the word of God and to present the gospel message. It's humbling, and I pray that I, I never take it for granted, and I hope that each time that I do so that I have uh, the jitters and a little bit of anxiety because that means that uh, I'm not confident, and I am not confident, and I thank God that I have feelings of, of inadequacy because every, every person in Scripture that God used in a mighty way was, was inadequate for the task, and it was the power of God that filled them and gave them what they needed for the task. And there's a scripture that says, it's in Philippians, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that is a scripture that we, each and every one of us, have taken out of context for our entire lives. And it's not all things, just whatever I care to do. Whatever God places in front of me as a specific task, no matter how great the task, I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. And uh, Tina and I are, are honored and we are humbled to be serving here. Uh, this is actually the, the first anniversary date uh, one year ago. Today, I was a first-time attender at Orchardville Church. <laughs> and the ne next Sunday would mark the uh, first anniversary of uh, me being uh, on staff here. And I believe, uh, is it... Molly, was, is, did we share the same anniversary date as far as, did she start a year ago as well? You remember that? Uh, anyway, I, I, think, I think she started about the same time I did as well. So it's a great honor to, to be here. We will miss being here on Sunday mornings for, for a while. Uh, we'll still be around here throughout the week uh, working and still uh, hanging out with the, the staff here. Uh, but I I look forward to getting to know the, the folks in Fairfield better as I've been over there on some, some Wednesday nights and there are wonderful people over there, wonderful people at the Fairfield branch and they have welcomed uh, us with open arms and we're looking forward uh, to that opportunity that God has before us. Let's go to God's word if, you, if we will. Let's uh, stand as we read God's word today. We will be in the fourth chapter of Joshua and we are going to read the account of the children of Israel crossing the Jordan. And leading up to this, Joshua had prepared the people to, to do so. And he said, prepare yourselves, consecrate yourselves, set yourselves apart. God is going to do a work in your midst. And that's a message for us every single day that we should set ourselves apart for God's glory and for his kingdom. He prepared them for the miracle that God was going to do in their lives. That before the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God passed through the Jordan River, the priests would, would lead and the people would follow. So Joshua spent time preparing the, the children of Israel to do so. And here is the, the account of taking the memorial stones from the Jordan River. We are going to be in Joshua 4, reading verses 1 through 9. When all the nation had passed, had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, take 12 men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, take 12 stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan, 
from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly and bring them over with you and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the 12 men from the people of Israel whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, pass on before the ark of the Lord, your God, into the midst of the Jordan and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel that this may be a sign among you. And when your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. And when it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. And the people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded and took up 12 stones out of the midst of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, just as the Lord told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to the place where they lodged and laid them down there. And Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant had stood, and they are there to this day. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you with humility and with thanksgiving, God, that you desire to do a great work among us, and that you say to us, prepare yourselves for what God is going to do in your life. Lord, may we May we prepare ourselves, may we consecrate ourselves, may we set ourselves apart for the great work of God. And may we, in humility and with thanksgiving, come before you and say, God, please have your way in my life. May your word be clear this morning, God. May, uh, may I step aside, Lord, that your word may be made clear and that the name of Jesus would be lifted up and I would be made less today. To God be the glory in his name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Marked for time, August 1971. My parents will probably have to uh, clarify uh, this date specifically. August 1971 was the time where the Fuller family moved to Mount Vernon, Illinois. It was a monumental time. I was eight years old and I remember the day very clearly. What do you say? Yeah, you too. Yeah, more so for you than it, was, than it was for me. It was a monumental time for my family as uh, my dad, who did not finish college out of high school, worked a few jobs, and at the age of 28, I believe, decided to go back to school full-time to get a teaching degree. And so when he graduated from college, SIU Carbondale in 1971, he got a teaching job in Mount Vernon. He was a uh, teacher in the business department at Mount Vernon, did so for, for, for 25 years. But we were from Marion, so we, we moved from Marion to Mount Vernon. Marion is where we are from. That's where my family is from. So to make a move is, is monumental. And, and you all have experienced, most of you have experienced that, that type of, of move where you have to uproot and, and start over. Fortunately, I was young enough where... Uh, I could start over pretty easily. I was eight years old. It's harder to do if you're a teenager or, or if you're somebody older like we are to start over. Sometimes that's not as easy. But I was eight years old and, and that began a new life-changing chapter in our lives. I remember it like it was yesterday. I remember the events of that move, move just like it was clearly yesterday. 
the friends and the family that helped us move. And that very day that we moved, I looked out our back window and I saw that there were some neighborhood kids playing football. So I, for whatever reason, I was never been that really out, that outgoing. I took it upon myself to go out the, across my backyard and to play football with these guys and just immediately started brand new relationships. That was the time when my family started singing gospel music together. When I hear a song, if I'm in an elevator in Walmart, wherever I might be, and you know they play, anymore they play songs from the 60s and the 70s, and I love music from the 60s and 70s, and I mark time by that move to Mount Vernon. At eight years old, I'll hear a song. Oh, that, I remember that song, it was in 1973. We'd lived in Mount Vernon for two years, I was 10 years old. That's the way I remember things. It's a, it's a marker in time. It's a, it's a place in time in my life that I remember, this is where I was and this is what happened. You have those markers in your life as well. And as, because I was eight years old, when we, when, we, when we moved, I always gauge how old I am and how old I was by that move to Mount Vernon. For whatever strange reason that is, something that happened. I go, oh, well, I was 12 at that time. I remember 71 when we moved. I was, I just worked that way. It's a, it's a place in time. It's a, it's a marker in time that I, I go back to on a regular basis to mark time and events in my life. It was monumental. Another marker in my life, August 25th, 1977. That's anniversary is tomorrow. I gave my heart to Jesus Christ, August 25th, 1977. I was 14 years old. And thank you. <clears throat> I got saved at Bonnie Camp. Anybody ever been to Bonnie Camp? Anybody? Anybody? There's a couple of you that have, that have been down there. Good old-fashioned, old-time revival. And it's been going on for years down there. And my family was actually doing the music at that time. And I was 14. I was not yet a believer in Jesus Christ. And if there's ever a such thing as a squeaky clean sinner, I was it. <laughs> but you know that the, there's no such thing. Because it doesn't matter what you've done in your life that you think you can earn salvation. Uh, the Bible says that that kind of that kind of lifestyle, even though it is of good works and, of, and not a lot of evil stuff, it's as filthy rags to God. And so at the age of 14 at body camp, I had a realization in my life that I was going to hell without Jesus Christ. I knew it. I came under conviction. And so that is a marker in my life, August 25th, 1977. I go back to that. I know that I have a, I've been a believer for 37 years. And that was a monumental time in my life that I can look back with, with immense thanksgiving. And because like many of you who have had snot-nosed salvation experiences, I had one of those. I realized at the age of 14 that I had been saved from my sin. And that was a monumental marker in my life. Other markers in my life, May 19th, 1984. That was just, just past 30 years. I have a marker on my left hand to remind me that I married this wonderful woman back here, Tina. 
And I wear this as a constant reminder to me and it's a reminder to others when they see that, that I am a married man. The ring doesn't make me married, but it reminds me that I'm married and it reminds others that I'm married. And it shows God's faithfulness in my life. And as a newly married man with this ring on my fever, fever sometimes I get a fever by looking at my ring. <laughs> when I put this on for the first time, it, it meant that there was something new in my life. And I no longer looked at my life the same. I looked at my life new and different. August 28th, 1985, that was another monumental day in my life. That's the day I became a dad for the very first time. And my daughter and her husband and our two grandkids, uh, we can't even begin to, to speak of how proud we are of them and the godly lives they, they live. And uh, they are a reminder in my life of God's faithfulness and the newness that we experienced when we, we became parents for the very first time. We saw in, in Joshua that in obedience, in obedience to the call of God, Joshua led the children of Israel across the Jordan and in obedience, he took stones from the river. In obedience, he told the priests to take the stones from the river and to build an altar of remembrance. It was a memorial of God's provision and his salvation. And if you look ahead a little bit at the verse 14 of that same chapter, the Bible says that on that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel and they stood in awe of him just as they had stood in awe of Moses. The, the children of Israel, they looked at Joshua differently that day. So today we're gonna see that a marker is the result of obedience, a marker is the result of God's faithfulness, a marker is set for future generations, a marker ushers in a new way of looking at things and we'll also look at God's ultimate marker as well. There are some important markers in our lifetime. Think to yourself, what are some of the markers, not only in your life, but around us, in our society, in our country? around the world, what are some markers that are in place that cause us to remember? On a local level, you've probably have all driven through Mount Vernon at the, the appellate courthouse. You see the statue of Abraham Lincoln there at that place. And that's just been there for, for a few years now, beautiful statue of President Lincoln. It's there to commemorate. It's there for a memorial. It's there to say, this is where we were and this is what happened. In our nation's capital, it is full of structures that pay tribute to conflicts and victories and moments throughout our history. And they are there to remind us of what men and women endured for our country's survival and growth. From war memorials to monuments to past presidents to government buildings, there are markers everywhere that proclaim to this generation, they were put in place that they would speak then and forever forward, this is where we were and this is what happened. Did you know that in Washington, D.C., the tallest structure in the city, anybody? The Washington Monument is the tallest structure in the city and by law, no structure can be built taller than the Washington Monument. 
and the structure that was finished uh, in 1848. And did you know, some of you may know this, I wouldn't have known if it wasn't for Facebook or YouTube, one of the two, that at the, at the tip of the structure, higher than any other point in, in the city are the words, Los Deo, which means praise be to God. Nobody can ever see it. Hardly anybody knows that it's there, but it was engraved at the tip on the outside, very tip of the Washington Monument. So the highest point in our nation's capital is a phrase that gives praise to God. It says Los Deo, L-A-U-S-D-E-O, and it means praise be to God. And at many of the numerous landings in, this, in the structure of the Washington Monument, I've never been there, I've never been up in it, I don't know if you have or not, but it has, I guess, you guys been, been there for it? It has different landings as, as you go up. And I don't know if you know, know this or not or saw it, but at each, at many of the landings, actually plaques with scripture inscribed on the plaques leading up to the top of the Washington Monument. The Jefferson Memorial is marked with this. It says, God who gave us life gave us liberty. On the Lincoln Memorial, one nation under God. Over the House and Senate buildings, it says, in God we trust. On the outside of the Supreme Court building is a carving of Moses holding the Ten Commandments. And two huge oak doors leading into the courtrooms at the the Supreme Court has the Ten Commandments engraved into each door. This is where we were. And this is what happened. Past generations in this country have proclaimed to future generations that his hand is mighty. Remember what God has done. And may we never forget more recent marker in our nation's history, 9-11. Everyone remembers where they were on September 11th, 2001, unless you were born. I remember where I was. I remember that it was a Tuesday morning. I remember exactly what I was doing on, on that Tuesday morning of September 11th, 2001. And now we mark time by pre-9-11 and post-9-11 because it was so monumental in our nation's history. And now there's a monument built to the memory of those who lost their lives at 9-11 with names and inscriptions. This is where we were and this is what happened. Monumental times. And like you, I'm concerned that we are leaving the wrong markers for our kids, for our kids' kids, and for future generations. They are, we are leaving wrong markers. We are no longer a nation that proclaims God's provision or his faithfulness. In 100 years, what will they think of us? Think about that. We can look back 150 or 200 years and see markers of victory and and strong leadership and strong morals. Well, the markers that we're leaving today, they just don't reflect that. So what is God doing in your life? What is he saying to you to prepare yourself for I'm going to do a great work in your midst? The leaders 
that are in this room, the leaders that are in our country that need to stand up and prepare themselves and take responsibility for what God is going to do. Because we need to leave, we need to leave some markers, some memorials that tell of God's faithfulness. Not of godless, selfish destruction, but those are the markers that we're leaving. Thank God for Orchardville Church. Orchardville Church is an ongoing marker for future generations that exhibits the stages of growth that gives honor and gives glory to God through the hard work of Mark and Kay and through countless others as well that have been here, that have worked hard, that knew that God was up to something very special and it continues to point the way to Christ for all generations. I love it here at the main branch where you can see, I love giving tours. I love giving tours. I go to the basement and said, this is where we were. And this is what happened. I said, let's go upstairs. Go to the next room. See this small room? This is where we were. This is where Mark said, if I could just have 100 people, boy, I'd have the church that I wanted. This is where we were. And this is what happened. Then you move on to the next auditorium where the kids meet. This is where we were, and this is what happened, and we could only stay in this room for about three years because things exploded. A constant marker, an ongoing memorial in our sight, in plain view. We didn't tear anything down. We didn't cover anything up. We left it for all to see. Thank God that we can see where God has moved and the faithfulness of God and the faithfulness of a few people. Praise God. The Fairfield branch and the Centralia branches are living markers of God's provision and mighty power. Our kids, our kids and our grandkids can ask, what's a church named Orchardville doing in Fairfield? What's a church named Orchardville doing in Centralia? What's a church in, in Flora or Mount Vernon? <laughs> Called Orchardville. And we can tell them of God's goodness and God's provision who brought us a church from a small, humble beginnings to branch out and to grow into other towns to reach, teach, and serve. Thank God for Orchardville Church. Thank God for Orchardville Church. Amen. Amen. And still today, God's ultimate marker rings out. God's ultimate marker in time. This is where we were, and this is what happened. And each one of us that have been bought by the blood of the Lamb, that point in time in our lives where this is where I was as a snotty-nosed 14-year-old kid who knew that 
even though I came from a great family, I was lost. And I had to get things right with God. And I saw the cross. I saw the cross as the obedience of Jesus Christ to lay down his life as a ransom for many, for you and for me. The obedience of Jesus. Nobody killed Jesus. He says, I, I lay my life, my life down freely. Nobody takes it from me. I give my life. The faithfulness of a loving God to provide salvation for you and for me through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, therefore, if anyone be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. There's newness. You look at things new. Just as I looked at being a married man, I, I, it's, a, it's, it's something new for my life. I look at my life differently. When I, came, when I came, became a dad, I look at my life differently. Because of the cross of Jesus, I look at my life differently. My life is not my own. The purpose of my life is not to serve myself. But the purpose of my life is to lay down my life, to pick up my cross that represents death. And that I would die to the things that I so selfishly would want for my life. And that I would live my life as a reflection, just as the moon reflects the sun, that my life would be the moon for Jesus. That my life would reflect the sun to light the way for others, that others may see Jesus. It represents obedience in our life when the Bible says to repent, to turn, and repent. That's what repent means, to turn and walk the other way, to change your way of thinking. That's obedience on our part. He is faithful and he is just to forgive us of our sins. The salvation is found only in Jesus Christ. He received our punishment for sin through his death. We receive his forgiveness and promise of eternal life through his death and praise God through his resurrection. I pray today that your life today, that you can look back possibly on this day, today, and say, this is where I was. This is what happened. And my life now is no longer the same because of Jesus Christ. This morning, if, if you say there was a time in your life that you gave your heart to Christ, yet your life is still full of sin, Maybe you need to take a closer look. Make sure that you have your, right, your life right with God. Don't use church as an excuse to think that you have things straightened out.
Maybe today this is a brand new message for you. You've never heard of salvation in Christ or maybe you've been confused about what it means to be saved or born again. To be born again is to to give up, surrender. I give up. And let Jesus take your life and make it what he wants. We have been purchased with a price. It's a great price. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for for your word. Thank you, Lord, that your word, it it challenges us. God, it, it cuts us to the heart. It reveals to us, Lord, our, our sin. It reveals our, our shortcomings, God. It reveals Jesus to us. Lord, may we not leave here without establishing a memorial to what God has done for our family, for our children's children, and for generations to come that they will know that this, that this time that I made a new covenant with God to receive him as my Lord and my Savior, that this is the day that I gave up and I gave God control. Holy Spirit, have your way in this place as we, as we enter into a time of, of invitation. Lord, that you will do your work and that God will be glorified. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Come out of sadness wherever you've been. Come brokenhearted, let a rescue begin. Come find your mercy, oh sinner, come kneel. Earth has no sorrow. Heaven can't heal Earth has no sorrow Heaven can't heal So lay down your burdens Lay down your shame And all who are broken Lift up your face Wanderer, come home You're not too far So lay down your hurt Lay down your heart Come as you are Come as you are There's hope for the hopeless and all who stray come sit at the table come taste the grace there's rest for the weary a rest that endures the earth has no sorrow the heaven can't cure so lay down your burdens lay down your shame and all who are broken 
Lift up your face Wonder come home Cause you're not that far So lay down your hurts And lay down your heart Come as you are Come as you are Fall in his arms Come as you are There's joy for the morning Oh sinner be still Earth has no sorrow, heaven can't heal. Earth has no sorrow, heaven can't heal. So lay down your burdens, lay down your shame, and all who are broken. Lift up your faces Oh, wanderer, come home you're not that far So lay down your hurt And lay down your heart Come as you are Come as you are Come out of sadness from wherever you've been Come broken hearted, let a rescue begin Come find your mercy, oh sinner come near Earth has no sorrow, heaven can't heal Earth has no sorrow, heaven can't heal Lay down your burdens and lay down your shame. And all who are broken, lift up your face. Oh, wanderer, come home. You're not too far. So lay down your hurts and lay down your heart. Come as you are. Come as you are. It is our prayer that you have been blessed as you've listened to this message. If you would like to become a partner with this ministry, please contact us here at Orchardville Church. You can visit our website at orchardvillechurch.com or you can contact us by phone at area code 618-835-2677.